County, Oklahoma, you have tuned in for another episode of the Pastors of Pain County. I'm Father Brian O'Brien, pastor of St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church. I'd like to introduce you to someone you may know. It's a familiar voice. Hi. <laughs> this is like the first episode, do you remember? We were, I was like all jacked up and excited, and you were like, hello. I don't like to hear my own voice. Well, we don't hear it in the studio. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Hi, Father Kerry Wakuch. I'm playing with a pen because I got ADD. <laughs> Easy as some, something, something. Forgot what I was gonna oh, say. Click, click. How's the school year going? Well, the you're school, off and running. You've this, had you've had a whole week of school. Whole week. How many uh, people have been saved? I, I, I don't know. Many. I, don't I hope know. many. Many many souls are being brought to the Lord. I Is was it, with you Monday night, and there was yeah. Oh, you fed 200 people tacos. Yeah, we had uh, tacos and just like a tailgate and doing things. Yeah, we we had to move it inside because of the sun apparently got a lot closer to the Um the sun the, the sun is hot. It is. It's a mass of incandescent gas and yeah. it, it got close. So The sun it, is so hot that, that if you were 90 miles away from a pinhead as hot as the sun, you would melt. What? I We're, heard that once in my you heard that middle once? school science class. I don't think that's... I mean, it, The sun okay. is hot. The size of a pinhead 90 miles away. The sun okay. is large. Yeah, but... There, uh, a million the, Earths could fit inside. But fusion wouldn't take place in a, in a pinhead. it's only a, a middle-sized star. Oh, thank you. The, the sun, sun is far is away. Away. The sun is About 93 million miles away, and that's why it looks so small. <laughs> All right, that's a little reference to a song called... Uh, the sun song. You can, the sun is a massive incandescent you gas. Can, you can look it up. Okay. Um, so yeah, school has begun. It is really great time. There's a lot of students getting and driving involved. around. Yeah, there's like uh, a lot of scooters. A lot of scooters. No limes and no birds. A lot but of people those walking. OSU brand name scooters yeah. around here. Yeah, there's a lot of people on foot patrol and walking past and uh, a lot we're of police doing... around too. Yes. This time of year, people are... Every uh, day almost. I'm on 51 and going from our house to the uh-huh. rector, to the, uh, to the church. Yeah. The cops are out. But and I'm, good. And good because they like, they protect people's lives and they keep, they do. They keep college students from doing really dumb stuff, yes. like setting couches on fire my first year here. My next door neighbors, a bunch Usually of college guys. you have guys. to win a national championship in something to light couches on fire. <laughs> but they, That's or I think maybe somebody won at some sort of event uh, at the fraternity. And so they went over to uh, a known named people's house and then they set a couch on fire. And it was like flames That's leaping. That's how I up. celebrate. Uh huh. That's every Sunday night after a great Sunday at the parish, I burn a couch. <laughs> Maybe maybe we should do that for sort of certain sporting events like or like high feast days, Christmas, couch burning, yes, Easter. Well, I mean, you are Irish, and so you know how to burn tires. Pia O'Hare's Irish too. She could we could get her down here, and she could teach us. Uh, what wait. does that mean? I don't even know. Uh, what that I remember means. like the seventies. The IRA used to set tires on fire all the time. Gosh, so it's like part of your. That's and that part of who you are. That was mean. Oh my gosh! Why are you making fun of my heritage? <laughs> Well, speaking of fire, last weekend, great readings, right? I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. Mm -hmm. Woo! Bring it, brother. I like that. That I felt felt good about my homily. We were kind of getting people fired up about evangelization and discipleship and, yeah. Good stuff. I I felt like I was kind of yelling. Really? I don't know. I mean, I don't need to yell because I have a naturally loud voice. I used to get in, like, when it... 
in elementary school, like everyone in the class would be talking and I would get in trouble because my voice was louder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then like when I get, because when I'm preaching and I get real Jay, fired even up. heard it on the radio. I've got a you. mic on. I've got a mic, but then I'm also like raising my voice. And so it's like mic plus yelling equals. Do you have a warm up song when you go in to, to get yourself to that volume? You're gather like, us in the lost and forsaken. Not warm it up, a, Brian. That's what uh, I was born to do. Warm uh, it up, Brian. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So we, we've been setting on this uh, last, last week. We talked about, oh, what? Last year, oh, last week we we, we talked we, we were we talking talked about, about the Eucharist, the, the so we're going to talk about the Eucharist again, oh, because it's yes. that important. So there's the survey, little recap. If you didn't hear last week, what's wrong with you? Number two, <laughs> here's what we talked about. The we I like the way you just stuck that in there. We there was a, a survey came out from the Pew Research Center right. about Catholics in the United States and their belief or lack thereof in the what Holy the Church Eucharist. teaches about the Eucharist. The body, that blood, is the body, soul, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So what we thought, we, so we kind of broke that down a little bit and got into, last week we got into uh, what does the Old Testament have to say about the Eucharist? And you would think, well, nothing. The word Eucharist does not appear in the Old Testament. But the Old Testament actually has a lot to say. So we kind of walked through that. Yeah, we, talk, we talked about bread, yes. wine, Melchizedek. Yep. The we talked offering, about offering, sacrifice. Uh-huh. Yeah, we talked about food for the journey in the Exodus. For, yes. That this bread comes down from heaven. The dewfall over the yes. They pick it up and they eat it, and they eat it to the edge of the Jordan River to the Promised Land, and then no more manna, no more. What is this bread? That's right. what manna means. So those are the things we we just covered last week. So there's more, but there's more to it. Yeah. If, we, if we just stopped at the Old Testament, we would be doing you, our listeners, a disservice. An injustice. An injustice by giving you only partial <laughs> information. So what we thought we would do today is talk about the early church, which includes the New Testament. So uh-huh. he, when you read the New Testament, you're reading the life of the early church. Right, because the Especially church... starting with the Acts of the Apostles and the letters of St. Paul... Uh, so there's an, this age-old question. Maybe we could do a whole show on on just this question. Maybe we have, and know. I'm just getting old and, and forget. So the question is, which came first, the church or the Bible? I'm gonna have to. So go... So think about that. We're gonna give you. We'll give you five seconds while we uh, wrap. Okay, what's your answer? Which came first, ooh, the church ooh, or ooh, the Bible? Ooh. Father Carey has his hand up. I'm going to have to say uh, the church because in the Acts of the Apostles at Pentecost, it says, and 5,000 were added to the church that day. Uh-huh. And the Bible didn't exist at that time. So we have, uh, and then we have uh, Jesus to Peter in Matthew 16, 18. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So there's already these, this talk of a church, already people being added to the church, before the Bible as we know it today is is, right. is and, formed. And the letters and the Gospels are being written to the to church. To the church of that are, Corinth or Rome or Thessalonica or, you know. Right on. Yeah. Right on. So let's, uh, let's, okay, let's go up on the 30-foot high dive. Okay, so here we let's, go. Let's just dive in. Go ahead. Let's take a big swim in Lake U. <laughs> no thanks. Uh, so we have, especially in the, so in the scriptures, when we talk about the Eucharist, there, there is a lot there. So we can start with, let's start with the Last Supper, right? So multiple accounts of what took place. On the night before he died, Jesus gathered with his apostles. He took bread, gave it to them, and he said, take this, 
all of you and eat of it. If this sounds familiar, it's because you probably have been to Mass lately. This is my body, which will be given up for you. So we have those accounts of, of the Last Supper. Um, if you come to St. Francis Xavier, on the front of our altar, there's this beautiful image of uh, Da Vinci's Last Supper painting, but in our, on our altar, carved in, in wood. Um, the moment, if you didn't know this, if you're, if you're familiar with, our, with that painting, if you don't, you can look it up. It's the moment when Jesus says to them, one of you will betray me. Ooh. So there's sort of this massive confusion. And anyway. I love that Peter has a knife in his Peter hand. has a knife. Judas has the money bag. <laughs> John is like almost asleep. He's just so prayerful. No, it, it, Peter's got a hold of John and he's like, ask him who it is. Yeah, but John, the, John like has like his eyes closed yeah. practically. <laughs> anyway, so we have those accounts of, of, of the Last Supper. Beautiful, beautiful, and we recommend them. Did what, what, did Jesus mean that literally, though? Which part? Well, this is my body, and this is my blood. Yeah, I mean, Eat so it we would say yes. In memory we of would me. say yes. Well, how do you know yeah. he meant it literally? Yeah. Oh. Did he say like hashtag JK? Well, or JC Jesus Christ? No. Or, well, if that's all kidding? we had, I mean, you could you could have you know we could have these debates about did he mean that literally? But then we have uh, John chapter six for example, which we mentioned a little bit last week. But uh, John chapter 6 is where it gets a lot more in detail. Turns up the so, intensity. So what do you know? What do you know about John chapter 6? John chapter 6, I love the setting. I, whenever I preach on the Scriptures— I'm going to break out. I got my Bible I here. always love— Do you hear the pages turning? <laughs> That's my Bible. Uh, what is that that just flew out of there? Was that a, was that a moth? Oh, dust? a moth has been trapped in there since who knows when. So, so There's a church bulletin from 1987. <laughs> <laughs> the setting is really cool because it's n- it's not like in Jerusalem. It's not by the Sea of Galilee. It, Where does John uh, sorry, it's not by the place. ocean someplace. It's actually in a desert setting. It's in a barren area near Capernaum, near the Sea of Galilee. So uh, yeah, after this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, yeah. also called the Sea of Tiberias. Uh-huh. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. And then, and then there's this scene which the John is painting for us of not just any random scene, but the Exodus over again. Because the story you're going to hear is a story of feeding, of bread, of a reference back to Moses. And even the word grumbling, the word grumbling oh, is like used with Exodus. manna. Yes. There's all these parallels. And so when, the reason why we started off this, I, I think, Father O'Brien— this little lesson on the Eucharist it, it, with the Old Testament, that is, if we don't know the Old Testament, we're not going to know the New, because the stories are woven together. And so it's by this Sea of Galilee, like the Red Sea, that this bread is coming down. Moses, Jesus is called the new Moses. You know, he says, it was my Father in heaven that gave you that bread. And then he makes reference to it a little different. He, call, he says, he says, uh, the bread that has come down from heaven, he refers to himself. So he, he starts referring to himself as bread, not as just a regular Which is kind of weird. Which is really I weird. Mean, you would think, if you're listening, you would say, you, excuse wait, what? Did he? You would, you would turn to your neighbor and be like, did he just say that he was the bread? bread? That's weird. I've it, never heard anybody refer to themselves as bread. Right. So this is either, this guy's either... Crazy or amazing? <laughs> C.S. Lewis, right? Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic. Uh, he's a lunatic, or he's the Lord. Right. There it is. So the, the rest of the scene then is painted 
with rather uh, an elevation of intensity. So remember when he says That's a good you must name for a band. Elevation of intensity. Yeah. Okay. Continue. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So so you see it as you like go through John chapter six. He starts to talk to them and they start to like grumble. They start to like think over things like, whoa, what is he talking about? Exactly like you said. And so he says in there, interestingly, when he talks about the bread, he uses the word fagain to eat. And then when they say, how is this possible? There's no way this is possible. He doesn't stop and correct them. That's an interesting moment. He doesn't correct what they think because Leviticus chapter, what is that, 17? Says you shall not eat flesh of of an animal or drink its blood. You can't do these things. You can't have the blood and the flesh together. And so what, what Jesus beautifully does is then he doesn't correct. He doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, you misheard me. He steps it up a notch and he uses the word trogain, which is to gnaw on like an animal, like to chew, to assimilate into the body in a deeper way. You're eating some chicken wings. Yeah. You're, ribs. Yeah, you're not just... To gnaw. To gnaw on. And so he turns that language and makes it trogain. And he doesn't correct it either. He doesn't say, oh, you must have misinterpreted. You must have like, like heard me wrong. He says, unless you eat of the flesh, unless you gnaw on the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have. And then if you go through John chapter 6 and underline the word life, zoe, you're not going to see it once. You're not going to see it twice. Well, you'll see it once and twice. Yeah, no, it's all over. You'll see it, I think it's like 14 I times. I'll give for the life of the world the, my flesh. Uh-huh. Yeah. My sarks, my flesh to eat and my blood to drink. That's what he tells them very clearly. And then clear. it says, verse 52, the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how, how can, can this, this man be? give us his flesh to eat? They got it. That right there says they understood what Jesus was saying. But there was some, some cognitive dissonance in their, in their mind. All right, he's saying this, but... Mm, how uh, can this man do this? I don't know. Isn't Leviticus say you shall not eat the flesh? Uh, and drink the blood of an animal? So Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Uh Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Amen. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. You see? Oh, that's... Abide to make a home. To yep. build a, a literally a build, tent build in us. A house, yeah, yeah. He lived with them. He dwelt with them. He abided with them. He is going to like enter into them. We can get to that in a little bit. That's though. amazing. And then keep going because so it, then so it skips down a little bit when when many of the disciples heard this they said this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? So this is I mean we're still here. We're we're still modern modern day right. Go back to the survey that started this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, the survey asked people, you know, do you do you believe that the bread and the wine are transformed into the flesh and the blood of Jesus? That wasn't the exact survey question, but something similar. To that. And some people said, yes, I believe that. Some people said, no, I don't believe that. And some people said, I believe something in the middle. I believe that it's a symbol hmm. or just a symbol. And it's not a symbol. Um, if it was a symbol, then well, so it's it, not right? just a symbol. <laughs> Yeah. So it's a symbol in that it 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 what symbols do is they 
they represent something larger or correct big. and so the eucharist is is a symbol but it's not just a symbol uh it is a symbol of that we are heading towards something greater um so all the way back you go back to the first century right jesus teaching extensively on the eucharist and so this is uh john six sixty. this teaching is difficult who can accept it so right there you could say i gave a homily about this a couple months ago but like you could say Jesus could have easily backed down right there and, and said, you know what, you guys? You're right. This is hard. Let me pull it back. Let me let me dumb it down a little bit. Let me take it down a notch. But he says, 61, But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Ooh. Then... What if it were to what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit that gives life, the flesh is useless. Ouch. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. And then here's this, one of the saddest moments in all of Scripture. John 6, verse 66. 666? Did you Be- say that? Uh, John 6, verse 66. Oh, John 666. Oh. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. Whoa. They left. So on the number for the Antichrist. This teaching was too hard. <laughs> So then Jesus, I mean, could have said, guys, no, no, okay, hey, hey come back, come back, crowd, come back. Crowd of 5,000, 6,000 were kidding. falling on his words. I was kidding. Let me pull it back. I, 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 I misspoke. The PR group in the background is like, was oh, like, oh uh, like, Peter, oh, could this you, could you not, come over here? This is uh, not good. This is like, like his, his credibility we're, is down. Like we're losing, the voters, the voters are down to like 2 or 3%. They, they don't agree. So Jesus asked the 12, do you also wish to go away? And then we go from one of the saddest moments to one of the great moments in mm-hmm. Scripture. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. That's amazing. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. So that's John 6. So, I mean, there's a lot there, and there's a lot to, to be read on that. But what we're getting at is... When we say that the Eucharist is is the flesh and the blood of Jesus, we're not making it up. Uh, there's all of these Old Testament references that we talked about last time. Uh-huh. There's the Last Supper when he says, this is my body. There's John 6 when he says over and over and over again, my, f- this, my, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. This is where you're going to find life. We're not making it up. So then, it's interesting then, so you could say... Okay, well, that was what that first century believed, and they weren't very well educated. And Jesus taught that to the apostles, and then it sort of, and then it sort of died. All right, but then we are we are gifted with uh, what we would commonly refer to as the church fathers. Um, what I would recommend for anybody out there is to read the church fathers. So these are. Uh, the, the, the early church leaders. Uh, so let me actually, let me backtrack a little bit. And that is, we, we, we've left out St. Paul. Uh, so especially a lot of our Protestant friends, like, I mean, they're all about St. Paul. Correct. All about St. Paul. 
And we're all about St. Paul, right? I love St. Paul. Come to St. Francis Xavier. We have a big statue of St. Paul with a sword. I, we hear him every Sunday. Right? Every Sunday. Um, so St. Paul actually mentions this. So we have, we have the Gospels. We have the, the Last Supper accounts. We have John chapter 6, and then we have St. Paul. Yeah, you have the you have the letters, these letters that are going out to the churches. And they're not so, all about the Eucharist. No. But some of them are. What well, what the, do we have? The tell them what they've won. Tell them what they want. Well, these letters are going out. Remember, so things are already being taught. They're already deeply rooted into these local churches that Paul and Timothy and Titus have planted. Uh, all the apostles have gone out. And now now Paul is writing them saying, <laughs> Okay, hey guys, re- remember what I taught you. Because sometimes we can go off the rails. We can forget what we've been taught. And so in, uh, St. Paul then has to write to the, the Corinthians. He, re- he sends that letter out to the Corinthians the chapter 11. Corinth. First what, Corinthians what chapter 11. And he says, For I received from the Lord, this is verse 23, what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also the chalice after the supper saying, this chalice is the new covenant. Ah, interesting. The new covenant. The last supper is the only time Jesus uses the word covenant. The new covenant in my blood. And what are we supposed to do with the covenant lamb? We have to eat it. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the chalice, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then he goes into like, what are y'all doing at your house churches? What are you doing? How are you receiving this great gift of Jesus's flesh and his blood that you're eating and drinking that he's given to us? He, and he, he corrects them because they've been doing it for several years, the, the Passover and the liturgy of the word in their homes, the Eucharist, the mass in their homes. And because they've been doing it in some ways unguided, mm-hmm. They've lost their way. So he, he then goes in and he, he corrects them. He says, okay, don't receive this unworthily. How are you preparing yourself? Before you go to the altar, how this are you preparing This is not a casual yourself? event. Correct. This is not just like, you know, going in and getting a cracker and some, some grape juice or some wine and then sipping on it. What are you doing? For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon himself Mm. ouch that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died whoa wow wow yeah he's not pulling punches no yeah so we've got the last supper accounts we got john six we got saint paul to the corinthians there's a lot there in the new testament there's tons but then the church continues all right so the church doesn't stop with the last book of the Bible, uh, it, That's right. it continues on. And so we have these wonderful uh, early, we would call them church fathers, from the late late 1st and early 2nd century. And the church fathers have their origin not in their own creation of themselves. These guys are disciples of the apostles. So we have, so, so let's say, for example, there's a uh, St. Polycarp. Oh yeah, yeah, right? sure. So you could read about Saint Polycarp and say, "Well, he just he kind of came up and stood on his own." And no, no, Saint Polycarp was a student of Saint John the Apostle. Correct. So we go from Jesus to John to Polycarp to Irenaeus. 
Who's Irenaeus? Where's he from? Is that Irenaeus, uh, Irenaeus of Lyon? In France? Yeah. So we have. Whoa, that's the line. This, this, this continuation of the of the teaching. So what I want to do, I just want to share just a little a little bit. If you've never read the early church fathers, I recommend it. Uh, there's a wonderful author, Mike Aquilina, uh, who's written a lot on the on the early church fathers, and you can just Google any of these guys. So I'm just going to throw out names: Ignatius of Antioch, Justin Martyr, Irenaeus of Lyon. Uh, we've got uh, Clement of Alexandria, Cyprian of Carthage, uh, St. Ephraim, the, the, the Council of Nicaea, go back and read, Athanasius, Cyril of Jerusalem, Basil the Great. These are all these guys in the late 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, and even into the 4th centuries. And they're all talking about the Eucharist. This is Justin Martyr, uh, who uh, was born in the year 100, died in 165. He says this. So this is like... One, one or two generations removed from Jesus. We call this food Eucharist. Which means? Which means Thanksgiving. Ooh. We call this food Eucharist, and no one else is permitted to partake of it except one who believes, who believes our teaching to be true and who has been washed in the washing, which is for the remission of sins for regeneration, what we call baptism, and is thereby living as Christ has enjoined. So we have in the early second century, the 100s, early 100s, yeah. we have Justin Martyr writing about the Eucharist. St. Ignatius of Antioch, I have no taste for corruptible food nor for the pleasures of, of this life. I desire the bread of God, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ, who was of the seed of David. And for drink, I desire his blood, which is love incorruptible. St. Ignatius, letter to the Romans. Wow. Right? I mean, that's Saint, all wait, wait, Saint Ignatius over. wrote to the Romans? Ignatius of Antioch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Irenaeus of Lyon. He took from among creation that which is bread and gave thanks, saying, This is my body. The cup likewise, which is from among the creation to which we belong, he confessed to be his blood. So, I mean, early, early, early. And the, these This pe- was the understanding. Right. And these the, people you the just quoted church. are not just random insignificant leaders in the early Christian church. No, they were the they're, leaders. They're the yeah. figureheads. They're the successors of the apostles. They're the ones who are literally planting churches all over, like, uh, what'd you say, Irenaeus of Lyon. Yep. He's all the way in France, uh, across the empire, evangelizing and teaching the faith. Yep. So, lest anyone say, sort of something, you know, the Catholics made up at some point, uh, we didn't, you know, it, we, it came from Jesus to his apostles to the next generation. And we have the writings of the apostles and that next generation and on and on and on it goes. So this is an ancient teaching, an ancient teaching. So that's why when Catholics say like, no, nah, I don't really, I don't really believe that. Well, then we got problems because this is what we've always known to be true. And so that you have like a different opinion based on your all of your scholarship. <laughs> you no, know, e- right? Yeah. E- even I think architecturally, we could say that this was being taught. Uh, we remember Father John Grant, we were talking about the liturgy, and he made reference to the Eucharistic prayer one, which dates back. It's the most ancient of the Eucharistic prayers dating back to the late 200s, early 300s. So I can't remember the name of it. And then he talked about old school tabernacles. And if you go in an ancient church, you would see these, the Boltekina and these bars 
And he says they would pull a veil and they would put the Eucharist on the altar and that's where they would reserve it. So even the architecture, like if you don't believe this, like because it's written down, you go look at the architecture of early Christian churches. And what do you see? You see the remnants still there. Uh, go look at um, some of those churches built in the three and four hundred. St. Clements in Rome. Yeah. yeah. And they still have the old tabernacles there. Now it's in a gold box. And, yeah. But th- this, is, this is part of our, our well, like the Didache. The Didache talks about the, like the Eucharist and why, why we don't share the Eucharist uh, with people who don't believe, but also what does the Eucharist do to us of that, uh, what do they call that theification, deification, that what we eat, you even mentioned it, like what we eat gives us life. What we eat transforms us yeah. into the divine life of God. So we we'll become, close with this. Yeah. The Didache, this is written in, in the year 90. And let none eat or drink of your Eucharist, but such as have been baptized into the name of the Lord, for of a true faith, for, for of a truth, the Lord hath said concerning this: Give not that which is holy unto dogs. Oh my gosh! Oh <laughs> we better close on that. Yeah, this is um, this is this great food that we we'll have. We'll pick that up. Maybe we pick that up next. Uh, All right on. episode. So and, Catholics and, get to and know talk the, about. Yeah, get to know more scriptures. And the Church Fathers. Oh, there's so much there. If and there's never, several books out if there. If you've never read it, we recommend it. Uh, we hope everybody has a great week, and uh, we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless you.